0: You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafiti and Eurasimus. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 105 of Here for the Truth. I'm Joel Rafiti. I've got my co-host Eurasimus with me as always. Today, Alec Zek returns. His initial episode with us was 44, all about debunking virology. Today, we have a beautiful, incredibly deep conversation, really just about the truth-seeking journey and its application as we explore these different topics. Um, Alex is someone that keeps it real, someone i got incredible respect for. And this is just a real, wholesome, raw conversation, which I think you guys are really, really, really going to love. Um, before we dive into that, Friends of the Truth is our exclusive community of members for truth seekers. This is the chance for you to get a little bit deeper with us get to join the Telegram community and join the amazing conversation that takes place behind the scenes with our members. You get three calls a month, one live teaching, one community hangout call, and one guest expert workshop. And in March, Alec is actually our guest expert who'll be hosting that workshop. Um, it's relatively inexpensive. So if you're down, if you're keen to learn more, if you want to have your truth-seeking fire stoked by others on the path, then please check out friendsofthetruth.co. And without any further ado, please enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 105 of Here for the Truth. We have the great Alex Zeck returning. He joined us first way back in episode 44. Alec, such a pleasure to have you back in the house. How are you, man?
1: Good, man. Living life. <clears throat> nice. La- laughing a little bit. Coming off of laughing a little bit because I was taking a drink of water and oh. your said, mmm, piss. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I've been looking forward to the conversation and, uh, and yes, episode 44, uh, was our first one with you. And that happened to be our first strike on YouTube where they banned us for a week. And that was before we even published the episode. We just uploaded it to our account and we got the, we got the X. So, I mean, obviously we're, we're off YouTube. Uh, we've been deleted off of them, like off of there, like for, I guess, a few months now,
1: dude, um, I'm trying not to like continue to create that reality. I was talking to Dr. Edith about that because one of the things I put at the bottom of my podcast is like I on, on the show notes, I'm censored on every platform. Please help us get the word out by sharing this with your friends and family. And it's like, am I creating that reality at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Is it- or is it or is it just saying what's true? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. This, at the same time, r- reality is Right? The, yeah, the reality it really is,
1: yes. But like if we're if I'm trying to make that no longer a thing by continually naming that as a thing, am I continuing to perpetuate it? You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, potentially, but I think that's that's your call in terms of what kind of story you wanna you want attach you you wanna attach to. I mean, there's there's benefits to highlighting the fact that you know the information that we're providing is certainly being censored yeah. and is being, you know, threatened around the internet. Um, but I mean, if you feel like that's not the way that you want to really present um, um, or move forward anymore, then you know, I think that's a total individual call, in my opinion. This is yeah. something
1: I was talking about with my, like, with my members. We have a in in my membership, we have like a men's group and a women's group. In our men's group, we were talking about this, <clears throat> um, like how to balance out naming what is true and and, and raising awareness to the dark things that are happening without being one of the people that helps perpetuate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think
2: I'm going to give my opinion on that is obviously it depends on who in you is saying it, who in you is highlighting it, what aspect of you, what's the tone behind it? What's the energy behind it? If you're like, oh my God, did you see what's going on? Oh my God, I (laughs) I don't know what to do. My fucking family. You know what I mean? Versus like, these these are, let's say, facts. This is what's going on. Can we utilize this information to become more empowered, to take more ownership over our lives, to do what Mm. needs to be done, to take care of ourselves, take care of our families without allowing it to uh, overwhelm us? And then this is where, and we just had a great episode with Irene Lyon and Seth Lyon. We've had them on the podcast before, and they're experts in the nervous system. This is where, when you do the, the real inner work, the great work of regulating your nervous system and integrating aspects that have been repressed, you can be more grounded. You can be faced with certain information and not let it impact you in the same way. And so, I think the the energy behind it and the intention behind it is important because we don't mm-hmm. want to stick our heads in the sand no. to a certain degree and, and completely repress and ignore and go la 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 either. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like our entire message here at here for the truth is okay. There's evil, weird shit going on on going on on the planet. Things aren't idealistic. But how can we live the most inspired, empowered lives possible despite everything going on? And to me, the first step in doing that is choosing to see reality clearly, right? If, if we're ignorant to any aspect of reality, then basically we're walking on one foot. We have to know what's going on in order to know how to move forward. And that, that in fact, is one of the foundational principles of this whole concept of self-esteem is the choice mm-hmm. to know reality. But there's a difference between choosing to see reality and choosing to just highlight continually that world, the the doom and gloom narrative, which is, I don't think any of us are doing. I've I've never seen you do that in in any way whatsoever either. We're simply saying, hey guys, this is what's going on. And here's some ideas as to how we can move forward.
1: You know, Joel, you said despite what's going on. And I would almost say despite and because of what's going on. And I've said this before. I look back on you know, you're awesome. so You and I have talked about my childhood trauma quite a bit. And it's like, it's pretty, I went through some pretty fucked up shit growing up. Right. And I look back at those things that I went through with, with almost like gratitude, reverence, and appreciation that I went through that because I went through that. I am now the person that I am today because I use that as an opportunity to look at all of those things that I was exposed to all those things that quote, happened to me. And I was like, okay, that's exactly what I don't want to do in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my kids, for my family, for my community. And it inspired me to take action to create a better life for myself. And I think the same can be applied to everything that's going on in the world. It's it's not only despite those things, it's also because of those things. Those things acted as catalysts to push us deeper into our own authenticity, deeper into Uh, questioning and having to wrestle with what we want for our individual lives and our lives for our families and for our communities, what we believe in, what we truly value. Um, Looking at entire societal structures, it it really brought forth an authentic opportunity to reevaluate all those things. And for those who are willing to kind of like we're talking about here, accept reality as it is instead of trying to avoid it or on the other end of the spectrum, just like only focusing on like, did you kind of like you're talking about, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? For those who are able to accept it as is, we are then able to say, okay, what do we want to build off of now that we have this as the baseline? That's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. And the thing is this would the three of us be here right now if the events of the last few years didn't happen?
1: No, dude. No, I'd still be in the army. I would have, I had a, I had a religious accommodation in the army that I had applied for in late 2019 for vaccines. And I was already looking at going into this like specific job in the army called um, functional area 51, ironically, I know area 51, but it's called functional area 51, which is like the acquisition core for the army, where you're working with civilian contractors to, uh, basically brokered deals between the army and these contractors for equipment, for like new technology and things like that. And I was looking to go into that job or become a physical therapist. So I was already like, okay, I can justify staying in this inherently corrupt organization. I know the global war on terror is a complete fraud. I know that nine 11 was an inside job. I know all these things, but I can justify it because I'm not working a combat job and I have a vaccine accommodation And I wasn't sharing with my family and friends, um, even like my close friends who are grooms in my wedding, my authentic perceptions on health. We were just like living that way for our family. And then all this nonsense happened and it pushed me to a a point of authenticity that I could not turn back from. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, man.
2: Itadakimasu. Uh, Oh, itadakimasu. Yeah. Itadakimasu is a, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but uh, a friend of mine, Gavin, it's a Japanese saying that a lot of people say before they have a meal is to give gratitude for everything, but it goes deeper. And he had, um, I think it was like a minister that kind of reframed it. And he said, thank you for everything that it took to to make this moment happen. You know, mm-hmm. so even right now, the three of us. Um, sitting here and having this conversation, you know, it really allows like that. That idea really allows every moment to be sacred, especially because you think about everything you went through, your whole childhood, Joel's whole childhood, my my childhood, your ancestors, all the ancestors that had to come together and make choices to meet each other. For I mean, just it's kind of awesome and mind blowing when you think about that. For us to sit here right now in this moment and having this conversation, it's.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is. How do you say it?
2: Itadakimasu.
1: How do you spell it?
2: Well it's E I T
1: like in English, how do you spell e-
2: it? E- Are we really doing this? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, well it, it it doesn't it ends <laughs> it with like rare. it ends with like a um it ends with a muscle M A yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. S like yeah, U. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find it. We'll
1: get it. <laughs>
0: All right, Alec model. Yeah. That coaching session will co- cost you a thousand dollars, by
1: the way. <laughs> 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 it is funny. I came in here like asking you guys for advice. Like, what do you guys think about this? Cause dude, it's, it's, it's relevant to me because it's something that I've been wrestling with. Like just, just the, the, the balance it's, it's, uh, it's both. And, uh-huh. and not everything is both. And there are absolutely polarizations like black and white things that I take hard stances on, of course, but, this is an example of one of those. It's like, I see a lot of new agey people who pretend everything's all love and light and they worship crystals and they just want to ascend. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I see people who are like what I would call black pillars that only focus on the dark things that are happening and everything has symbolism in it and everyone's controlled opposition and we're all fucked no matter what we do. And it's like, how do we marry those things? Because The black pillars are justified in that they're skeptical of literally everything. The new agers to some degree, like there's elements of that, that are good of, of trying to find the love that is present. Right. Yeah. But how do we marry those two things together?
0: Because both of those groups, what they despise in each other is what they've disowned in themselves.
2: Yeah. 100%. One hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head there, and and this is the way the psyche operates. It's there's a compensatory mechanism to it. So if you over identify with one way of being or certain ways of being, the opposite goes down deep into the unconscious, or it's undeveloped in you. And so, really, when we look at these people that we over over admire, but especially the ones that we judge harshly. There's something in there for us to to learn from, and I say this as someone who can be super self-righteous. I know we've had this conversation mm-hmm. before, and I can like have my opinions and strong opinions, but there's something to gain from that. And so I think what Joel said hits the nail on the head. We've lost the nuance,
0: you know. Everyone yeah. everyone wants very simple black and white ways of perceiving reality, but reality is just not that simple. It's, no. simple, it's just not.
1: It's full no. of freaking nuance. I, I'll even say this, dude, to some degree, like I've immersed myself in what you'd call the terrain camp, right? And I am really knowledgeable on the lack of proof of viruses. I could go toe-to-toe with literally anyone from the other yes. side of that argument. One thing that I find frustrating amongst people in the terrain camp is the outright lack of acknowledgement of personal anecdotal stories, especially when there's a lot of them, of the phenomenon of contagion two or yeah. more people getting sick in the same space. Like there are many examples, especially for those of us who are parents, we know that where our kids, like both experienced something at the exact same time. And then someone else in our household experienced those symptoms, the exact same ones like a day later. And it sure as hell seems like something was passed. Now, do I think it was a physical particle? Absolutely not. I think there's no proof of that. I have my own thoughts on what's causing it, but other people will look at that and be like, no, Nothing happened yeah, there. Yeah. It's simply just exposed to the same toxins. And yes, it could be, but there's there's other things that are possibly at play there.
0: Let we, me we, let me ask you uh, this: uh,
1: Okay, if you could make a five one
0: minute one. argument for contagion, what would that Ooh, sound like
1: for contagion? Yeah. Wow. I, I think that would be it. I think you take any any parents' um, experience or, or experience of someone who works at a daycare and they see waves of similar symptoms go through kids or chickenpox, or measles, or these symptoms that are very specific that happen amongst, you know, populations of people or of children, that sure as hell looks like something is past that is contagious. Now, again, contagion implies particles that are passed from person to person via viruses or bacteria or something like that. When it comes to viruses, viruses have never been shown to exist, <clears throat> nor have they obviously shown to have been, uh, to be the cause of disease. And then when it comes to bacteria, we know they exist, but they've never been shown to be pathogenic, but it's, it's like that in and of itself is a, an element of nuance that is missed. And I think when we get in these identity groups, we almost, Divulge into a form of groupthink in a lot of ways. And it really is hard being a true free thinker because uh-huh. you're never going to align with any one group on anything. I, and that's just how it is.
2: Dude, right. I can't tell you. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've said this, where it's like, there's not one person that exists in this world where I'm like, I agree with everything they yeah. say. You know, I've always been someone that's been curious to just like see what resonates and what works. Like I can't align myself. Like I can't can't be like, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a yogi, I'm a new age, I'm a this. It just doesn't, doesn't land for me. And the other thing based on what you were saying, first I want to say anyone that wants to get a little bit of a deeper dive on what Alec was just saying. Um, episode 44, he went into it, but also he has a couple amazing presentations on the internet. I can just say,
1: send them to you that you can put in the show notes or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He did a recent one to doctors for COVID ethics. And then he did another one that was, um, uh, talking about the infectious paradigm or debunking the nonsense. Um, but what I want to add, and because I know you're familiar with this work is we can't leave consciousness at the door. No. And this is the thing no, right. that the materialists want to and, and the scientism cult they don't acknowledge is that our body is always adapting to the thoughts that we have yep. and so when even when you take in dr homer's five biological laws and how how we, we we perceive certain things and then our body goes through these adaptive and healing processes we don't understand how that can happen with or a lot of people don't understand how that could happen within a family system you know, let's say a child gets ill for, for whatever reason, it's a it's a child, they're dealing with all sorts of things and conflicts, and you know, their consciousness isn't fully developed, that's gonna impact the parent's consciousness. Yep, you know, and, and so vice versa. Once the, and so once the child gets better, there's a resolution to the parent. And so then they can show symptoms shortly after. So these things that unless you understand the nuance of the biology from this point of view, and I'm not sitting here saying they have all the like Germany medicine has all the answers to everything, but it's something that needs to be considered this yeah. this body of knowledge
1: the, the other thing that needs to be considered i'll say this the, the reason i became so enthralled by the possibility that there were no viruses is first off that it's empowering but it's it's dismantling a paradigm full of people that happened to be using that paradigm to, in, in a weaponized way to force compliance and all these things. But it's, it's that paradigm that came to the forefront where all these people were claiming to assertively know, to definitively know that something was the truth and everyone else has to adopt it. And I'm always keen to find holes in anyone who thinks they know with certainty that something is the case. Mm-hmm. And that's again going back to the, the the flip side of that argument, terrain versus versus germ, is that a lot of people now in the train camp are saying that they know with certainty that there is no phenomenon of contagion, meaning that there is no disease that is passed whether via particles or energetically between people. And I I think personally, it's somewhat of uh, there is energetic things at play that that we are, I don't, I don't want to say transmitting or passing, but there's something happening there via bioresonance or maybe even pheromonal. So outside the realm of energy, but the point is something is happening there. <clears throat> and I think it's just that we don't know. And I think the paradox about this reality is a lot of these things, like we aren't meant to fully know. So that we can just keep exploring and offering our own ideas and thoughts on it individually and having to wrestle with these things. And maybe we'll know after this life if reincarnation is real and we have that like after period where we're up there hanging out. I don't know.
2: Yeah, we'll be wearing hats. <laughs> we'll be wearing <laughs> Hey. <laughs> just real make, quickly before- <laughs> make sure I can see your eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll talk we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to say I remember reading um well, two books. One was um, the Secret Life of Plants, so the other one was the Hidden Life of Trees.
1: I just bought that plant, or the, I just bought that plant. You I just bought, bought, that. bought
2: that book. <laughs> uh, fascinating, you know, because yeah. again, they highlight certain things in terms of how things can be communicated mm-hmm. uh, between plants, between trees, and it's not happening from like this thing where something's floating in the, in the sky and impacting. There's 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 a there's an intelligence, yeah, that's beyond what I think many people can comprehend or measure yep. with today's instruments, and so to apply that potentially to us, you know, if a group of people are together or when you think about women, their periods, they spend a lot of time together, their periods line up or, or whatever the case may be. Have you guys had Veda
1: uh, Austin on your podcast?
2: No, I want to reach out to her. I will I, give,
1: I'll give you your contact info. Your audience needs to hear her. Cause cool. like taking her work and then Eileen McCusick's work and then Germany medicine, it sort of creates a, a, a somewhat of a framework for what's going on when two or more people get sick in the same space. And there seems to be something passed between people. It's it, all these other energetic mechanisms, water that were, you know, our bodies are made of structured water. I know you guys probably had Andy Kaufman on. Yeah, You yeah. guys have Andy on talk Yeah. We
2: did, we did, but we didn't get too into that.
1: Okay. Anyway, so Andy's become really fascinated with water lately. It's funny, uh, like, Ten months ago, I spoke at an event alongside Andy, and I was speaking about virology, and he was speaking about water, which is just so funny to me. But um, anyway, <laughs> is it is funny. All these, yeah, it is funny. Yeah, like I would have never thought that, and he, it was funny too because during my presentation, he was sitting like three rows back from the front. And I like jokingly told him before, like, hey, if I say something incorrect, just like raise your hand and correct me, like joking around a little bit. He literally did that three times during my presentation. He like, raised his hand. He was like, well, actually, Alec. <laughs> and then he like, <laughs> it was minor things. And he told me afterwards he was really pleased with my presentation. It was cool. But anyway, so all these other things create like a, a framework. And one thing I want to share here is, is about belief. And a lot of people have different, especially like within the consciousness only model, which I typically ascribe to, um, would it be ascribe us, or subscribe, whatever, subscribe to, uh, a lot of people have difference of opinion about belief, but I don't think belief is necessarily a bad thing. And I think that belief is absolutely a real phenomenon. And I think that what we believe to be true, uh, we can actually create that reality, whether like actually bring it about by attracting. And I fucking hate the law of attraction and the that's that's a whole conversation for another time. I, there's there's so much missing with that framework. But whether we believe it to be true and it actually happens, we bring it about by attracting it, or whether it's that because we believe be, to be true, we see that in reality. Like we have like a a, a sure. lens over what we see projected onto reality. And I think our belief about symptoms being bad is actually perpetuating the reality that they're bad and. I always point to this study, I'm so surprised so many other people don't point to this, is that according to a study published by the CDC in July of 2021, the second strongest risk factor for death associated with COVID was fear slash anxiety-related disorders. That means people who had already had a diagnosed fear slash anxiety-related disorder accounted for or was the second strongest risk factor that doesn't even account for people who were just in a perpetual state of fear or anxiety but didn't have a diagnosed dis- disorder wind up in the hospital ventilator room, severe, all the things so absolutely our belief about disease being bad has an impact on it being bad
2: uh, i i mean i agree 100 you know again coming back to consciousness what are you thinking throughout your entire day what's your sense of self how do you interact and interface with your environment? You know, if you're constantly in a in a in a sympathetic state, you know, when you have those moments when you get out of it, there's going to be an intense healing crisis, and and that's something that people need to realize. And so, how can you uh, navigate life's challenges as gracefully as you can? And again, bringing it back to this idea is with with as regulated of the nervous system as possible is going to support you from maybe not getting symptoms that are as intense and as hardcore. And at the end of the day, even if you do, just the knowledge that nature is doing what it does and your body isn't making any mistakes – what does that then do to your consciousness? What does that then do to your thinking process? I mean, you're moving to an empowered place instead of being in this place of like, something's wrong with me. What's happening? Oh my God, I'm sick. I am I might die. Like that's a much different frequency than, oh, okay, well now I can think back. I had that thing happen and now I'm, I, I went through this period and I've resolved something and my body's healing. Wow, it's amazing. I'm going to just take it. I'm going to go lay on the couch and rest. And maybe I need a little bit of support depending on how intense the healing crisis is. But like, that's just a completely different, talk about black and white. You know, oh, if you had goodness. an image for those two things that I just said, it, it would be that image. You know, you see that meme going around the person on the bus and they're looking at the one side and it's like dark and yeah. whatever. And yeah. then on the right side, they're looking at the sunshine. Like it's more that. Even if it yep. feels bad, underneath it, you know, oh, this is, this is good for me. There's a good thing that's happening.
1: Yeah, it's going back to what we talked about towards the beginning is it's like, this is another example of that. It's going through a really tough experience to come out better on the other side. If you just allow it, if you get out of the freaking way and stop making it out to be what it's not, and allowing these mental constructs and our conditioning to get in the way, and allow nature, our natural processes, to do its job, you'll come out better on the other end. I mean, Joel, you have kids. And you, like I'm sure when you started discovering this, like we we subscribe to natural health before we had our first son, he's five, right? He's almost five and a half now. And even then though, when we first had him and we didn't vaccinate him, we were like so freaked out about him being around people, so freaked out anytime he got sick, which was really rare by the way. But when he did get sick, we are like, oh my God. Like, you know, we even went to the emergency room a couple of times on situations. Now looking back, we're like, damn, we never needed to do any of that. His body was doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Like we had just had, Halloween then Thanksgiving then Christmas and we ate a bunch of shit and we weren't outside as much and we were stressed out because of some things that were going on yeah. and he felt it too and that's all that was happening.
2: Yeah, I mean talk about that period people call it what flu season like yeah the holidays you're, again family there's like so there's extra stress there's drama you know, what does that then do after you come out of it? You're like, oh, wow, you're no longer around the family or you're no longer dealing in that in that environment. And so then the body's like, OK, time to heal. Yep. Now, again, healing crises, unfortunately, sometimes can lead to someone not continuing to live, you know, like it can be that intense. So we're not just sitting here saying, oh, it's a healing crisis. Like, no, healing crises sometimes are, 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 are you know, fatal. Um, hence why there are times where I'm not going to sit here and say like Western medicine is all bad. Everything is, what are you talking about? There's, there are benefits in acute emergency care. Yep. It's amazing. But for the other stuff, they're just not trained. Like no. that's not the education they go through to, to support a person and to, hmm. in, in that regard, it's like, oh, you have symptoms. We can remove them. We can get rid of them. Oh, you have something in your body that's dysfunctional. We can cut it out or burn it out, etc. cetera.
1: Yeah. yeah. And to, to think about this and. To to put this in a way that makes it clear for everyone, when you get sick, your body is heating up, right? Your body's heating up to make the structured water that lines your body less viscous so it can flow more easily, which is why you have diarrhea, you throw up, your skin gets rashes, you um, sneeze, you cough. It's because your body is heating up to make the structured water less viscous so it can flow more easily to push out those toxins right and what western medicine and a lot of uh so-called alternative or holistic or natural approaches to health I, I i i've got a bone to pick with functional medicine as an example what they'll do is just treat the symptom just mask the symptoms we can get rid of that symptoms like you're thang- saying and what that's doing in most cases not all cases but most cases what it's doing is it's inhibiting that process thus pushing the toxins, whether emotional or actual physical toxins deeper into the body, deeper into the tissue, which leads to chronic issues down the line, which is why now more than ever chronic issues are so prevalent. I think the statistics are 54% of kids nowadays have a chronic disease. That's unheard of relative to, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago maybe even 10 years ago. And it's because we're so obsessed with masking the symptoms. And the deeper thing here is we're so avoidant of experiencing temporary pain, even if it's really challenging. We want to put that off. We want to stuff that down. We don't want to face it, whether it's mental, physical, or spiritual, because we want to be comfortable. And because we're obsessed with comfort at the expense of temporary pain, we're perpetuating our own suffering.
0: Exactly. So to me, it's just biological shadow work, right? Yep. It is. Can we, can we allow ourselves to experience the reality? You know, can we allow? Us, can we allow nature to do its thing, or do we need to bypass? What's actually going on? And when you avoid shadow work, you get psychic syndromes, right? When you avoid the the, the healing phase or the healing crisis to really take its place, you get you know chronic syndromes.
1: Yep.
2: I like it. All right. Episode's over. Everyone, peace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but this is but this is the thing. This is this is this is the thing that we're we're dealing with is that yeah. the masses are adverse to pain. They want to live in a one seasoned world. They want to be they want to be bubble wrapped. They want to avoid self-responsibility. They want to outsource that by any means necessary. And it's become very easy to do so. But do you blame the architects of control for that? Do you blame society for that?
1: This is a good question. Right.
0: Or or how much, how much are we responsible for them? creating? We are
1: 100% responsible. Yeah. 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 They, they may, Greg Paul, I interviewed him. He's a guy from Law for Mankind. He said it best. And he said, I'm not going to say there isn't a wild gang of nefarious actors out there who are wholly set on preying upon our uh, decisions, but it is our decisions or lack of decisions that brings all this about. And that's why I'm this relates, but it, it it's kind of a tangent we could go off on and talking about authority. But this is why I'm so big on voluntarism and Larkin Rose's work and Jack Lloyd's work and other voluntarist slash anarchist people, because it's it's understanding that. We are fully responsible and the only reason they continue to, they, whoever they are, continue Mm. to have power over us in any capacity is because we allow it, is because we individually and more importantly, collectively say, I believe you have power over me. That's it.
2: Yeah, and they lord fear over you that if you don't. Uh, a line then what, what's going to happen oh you'll go to prison oh you, you'll lose your job whatever the case may be and so yes. yeah i hear you man i mean there's there can't be any masters unless you make yourself a slave on that's some right. level.
1: that's right have you guys seen larkin rose's short film it's called um the jones plantation
2: no i haven't i haven't oh, so i, I caught some of his speech at, at music and sky not all of it
1: that's one of the best ones. I'm gonna send that to you to put in the cool. show notes too, because I reference it. It's like one of the best ways to break down the illusion of of voting and and how all this works. And we're just um we we are causing ourselves to be slaves, but it's slavery under the guise, especially in the US and I'd imagine to some degree in Australia. Even though you don't you don't live in Australia anymore, do you?
0: Um, so I'm here for two more weeks.
1: Two more weeks. Are you excited yeah. to get out?
0: yeah oh, I'm pumped, bro. I'm super Am pumped. Am I allowed to say that? Or are
1: they like... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've, I've, I've told
0: my audience, bro, that they, they, they know what's okay, going on. Okay, good, good, good. Um, uh, yeah, it's been chaotic, but excited, bro.
1: That's awesome, man. I'm pumped to actually be able to see you in person finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me me
2: too. too. We've never met before.
1: That's so crazy. That's yeah. so crazy.
2: It's happening. It's happening in April. And actually, this is a perfect time to say that our first time together will be interviewed together on your podcast in April. You guys will be together when I interview. Yeah, you? I'm, yeah. I'm visiting Yay! Mexico. I'm visiting Mexico.
1: That's going to be awesome. In yeah. April, damn, maybe I need to just come down. We can do it all in person.
2: Let's let's do it in person, man. Let's get a film crew, get a studio, whatever. What's the date? Uh, it's the it's April, I think twenty third to the twenty seventh. I'll be in Mazatlan, and then I'm coming back.
1: Okay, let me talk to Kyler. I got to run that by the wife. <laughs> first. You know how that goes. Nice. Yeah. I don't remember what we were just talking about, but um,
2: uh, authority, illusion of authority. Uh, you were going to say yeah, man, it, yeah. You
1: know. I, I think your audience already probably gets this by now. We, we did. We tend to attract a lot of the same people, so I, I feel like they already understand the illusion of authority by now.
2: But yeah, yeah, for check sure. Check out Larkin um, Rose's work. So r- real quickly, just because uh, it came up before, but I might as well have talk about it. So the three of us are wearing hats, so that means no one should listen to us because we we are a couple of. <laughs> we three kids, you know, just then. Can I read that email that I got?
1: <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Let me read that email. Hold on. Okay. I got this email in December after a podcast episode I did. <clears throat> Dear Alex. First of all, she called me Alex. Um, I appreciate the good work you're trying to do. I would suggest that you take off the baseball cap during videos. There is a reason men are not supposed to wear hats when they're talking to someone or inside of a building of any kind. It is a long-standing form of respect and manly behavior that stems from the natural inclination of humans not to trust someone when you can't see their eyes, or conversely, when they selectively and purposely prevent one from seeing their eyes. There are reasons for etiquette of which young people today seem to be ignorant. I hope this information helps you in your quest to make the world a better place. The first rule is to follow the rules. Don't wear a baseball cap unless you're playing baseball. The rules.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Growing up, my mom wouldn't allow us to wear a baseball cap at the table while we ate dinner, you know? I mean, that's changed, obviously, now when I wear one, she doesn't say anything, but that was interesting. But I also, like, that's her business. Like, mind your business on some level. Like, I understand you're offering your opinion, but, like, you can do whatever you want. I don't mind people.
1: Sorry to interrupt.
2: No, no, I was just going to say like I, I think people are allowed to have their opinions and they can share their opinions. And at the same, and at the same time, I could also be like, cool, like fuck off. I'm not going to wear a hat. I'm I'm, or I'm going to wear a hat. You
0: know, all 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 she's doing is projecting the fear, her fear that other people might not take you seriously. Yeah. Because she's yeah. saying she likes what you're saying, but I'm worried that other people like me who grew up in circumstances like me might not take you seriously because you're wearing a baseball cap.
1: Which is that's, something for her to deal with. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I Again, just like you said, you're asking us, I don't mind people offering their perspective. Like I think everyone should offer their authentic perspective 100%. It's, it's the way that she said the first rule is to follow the rules.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Who makes the rules? Like where's the rule book around wearing (laughs) hats? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whose rules? And if if we're referring back to society's rules, I don't care what society's rules are. Am I causing anyone pain? Am I inflicting harm upon people? Am I preaching a message that is going to cause other people, or coerce other people, or manipulate other people to inflict harm or do the same on others? No, I'm not. I'm doing the exact opposite. So when it yeah. comes oh. to society's rules, emotional I pain. Can, yeah, yeah. You've you inflicted
2: emotional pain by wearing a hat. Just to say. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe I have. So I should probably take it off. Right, haven't, um,
2: you, haven't you read the Eleventh Commandment?
0: Thou shalt not oh wear baseball
1: God. caps on podcasts. <laughs> Thou shalt not. Um, no, it's just like, we're, we're, what she's implying is that I'm not following society's rules. or what, mm-hmm. No, she's directly stating that. But like the, the implications there are that society's rules are to be followed. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And society is morally bankrupt. Society is diseased, depressed, anxious, in a state of perpetual fight or flight, just droning about not living a full or complete life. I don't care what society's rules are. And does that mean that I'm just going to throw away every single thing that is offered by society? No. Again, that's black or white thinking. There are some elements of society that I'd like to keep example, emergency and acute care that we have in the United States, like you brought up earlier, but, but society's rules, that's, that's precisely what myself and you two are trying to do in our work is show other people, or show people who resonate with what we're saying a better way or what we believe to a better what to be a better way to conduct ourselves individually and collectively yeah. i don't care what society's rules are
2: yeah and the better way is to deeply find out who you are as an individual and who you're born to be and live that life that's yeah. it you know on some level you know because yeah. again the part of that is wait normally when i see people talking about important things they're either wearing a suit or a white coat so this doesn't compute. You're wearing a black t-shirt and a backwards hat, but you're talking about these things that are very technical. And so people that are into very technical things, they're not going to listen to you and pay attention to
1: you because you're not wearing the uniform. Dude, and what what I almost love about that is, is like the effect that it has, that I am mm. just a dude wearing a baseball cap. I'll give another example. This one, I could understand a little bit better a well-known influencer, if you will, one of the people on the disinformation dozen saw this video of me speaking at the Kansas State Capitol in October of 2021. And I was wearing a t-shirt and actually I was wearing the same exact hat except for I was wearing it forward this time. And um, I was in a room amongst a bunch of people wearing suits, obviously being in a government building and everyone else that was speaking was there dressed to impress. And by far... I'll toot my own horn here and it's fine too. By far, what I said was the most impactful, 100%. I just threw statistic after statistic after statistic and had a very compelling case against all the, of the things that the state of Kansas was considering doing and everything that had happened over the last year and a half at that point, all in a matter of two and a half minutes. Cause that's all I had. Not like, that's all the time I had to speak. And I got a message from this person saying, Hey, um, I loved your talk. I won't share it though because you're inside a government building and you weren't wearing a sport coat. And I just think it looks a little bit silly. I'm like, first off, I'm wearing what I authentically want to wear. Second, I'm coming out of being out of the US Army. So I'm like, at that point in time, taking very... like not only internally, but externally, anti-government stance, growing my hair out, growing my beard out, like wearing t-shirts inside government buildings. I don't want to wear anything nice because I had to all the time in the army, but it's also, I'm being me. I am being authentically me. I'm doing what I authentically want to do, wearing what I authentically want to wear. And I'm not hurting anyone, just like I said before. And the effect that it has on people that's like, damn, who's this dude in a freaking hat and a t-shirt? spitting off all this stuff. Let me learn more about this guy. And it had that effect because it was shared on social media and it went pretty viral.
2: Yeah. And at the end of the day, you can't control people's reactions. <laughs> you know, you could be you, people are going to dig it. Some people aren't going to dig it. What are you going to do? Worry about everyone that doesn't dig it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Drop names or what, bro? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just wondering. i wonder why people don't like the backwards hat because this right here represents the Illuminati eye right here, bro. So we got that sit, man. We're all Joel, Joel, turn your turn your shit around. Turn your shit around, bro. We're pulled up. Three of us, we pulled up. We got the we got the the one eye right here.
1: I was gonna make a joke about that earlier when you said you're episode number forty four, and I was like, mm, I think I thought I was episode number thirty three. I, I told I told you guys that I wanted to be number thirty three. Sorry.
0: I forget who it was. I gotta go back and look and Nami, at it. Kim and Kim and was 33. Makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, actually. true, true. Dude. True.
1: Uh, so for when we had the Health Friend Free Manny podcast, we had RFK as our thirty-third episode. And like all opinions on RFK aside, all opinions like the point is like that was completely accidental. Like I'm not deliberately choosing, oh, that's going to be that episode number. It just happened uh-huh. to be that we interviewed him. He is the 33, 33rd one. I had like this one account on social media who I actually used to be pretty close with. And we had a falling out because he got mad about something that was just absolutely nonsensical. So he went on this like tirade against me trying to find ways to uh, identify me as controlled opposition. And that was one of his primary ways. And then he found this other picture of me speaking at an event in California on a stage, <laughs> no, I wasn't covering my eye. <laughs> but dude, if you found any pictures of me playing basketball in high school, a lot of the times after I hit, <laughs> not that, but like, <laughs> hey, well, I used to listen to Jay Z. I used to throw up the rock. Yeah, someone's gonna screenshot that now and be like, "Oh, see, I fucking told you guys. I told you." <laughs> but um. Dude, every time I used to hit a three, or a lot of the times after I'd hit a three, I'd go like this. I'd go like this, or oh, I'd have oh, teammates that yeah. would love. like do this. Yeah. And it's like, dude, <clears throat> I saw someone the other day. And they they took a picture of Andy Kaufman from like, I got it. I, I bet it's like 10 to 12 years ago, before he was ever into anything in the realm of natural health, probably when he was still super pro allopathic medicine, um, of him shaking the uh, the governor of new york's hand at the time at some event that he's probably he's probably getting an award and like andy was pulling away you could tell that he was clearly pulling away from the handshake as the picture was taken so his his thumb was on top of the dude's yeah, hand yeah. and they were like dude i told you yo, that's like a, that's a mason symbol he has a freemason,
2: yeah, a freemason bro God. You know, man. It, like, there's pictures of there's pictures of me wearing like a suit or a shirt with like my hand inside or something. So if someone like snatched the photo at that time, oh, it's I just know. again, it's so silly. Yeah. And it's like you're constantly talk about the 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 lens that you were talking about. That that's on a person's mind. It's like they're seeing everything through that. So it's like, yes. oh no, that that's the reason why Novak Djokovic or that's the reason why Kyrie Irving is controlled yeah. up, or all these people or RFK. It's like, what? Because they don't agree with you a hundred percent on everything you agree with. That means they're controlled up because RFK may agree with you on certain things and but they don't in, in in regards to this one subject. Then you throw everything they've ever done and everything they know and all the amazing things they've done for 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 the the movement I say out the window and just it's just I think it's silly.
1: It is. And it's like that while also holding the reality that yeah, there probably is, I would say definitively is there are people who are controlled opposition. There are who do people who do you think in controlled are opposition. Basins. Who do you think uh damn uh, you're putting me on the spot here, yeah. man. Oh. There you go. I, I almost feel that we're uh, here for the truth or at least the exploration of it. How about how about this? How about we frame it like this? Okay. like here's 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 people that i am i'm skeptical of joel Rafidi <laughs> joel <laughs> Rafidi numero uno um i have seen so one person that i i just personally got to say i do not trust and i i'm got to be clear here i'm not calling anyone controlled opposition that's for anyone else to decide these are just people that i am very skeptical of that i tend to avoid Dr. Robert Malone, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't trust him. Mm -hmm. I don't trust him at all. Um, for a number of reasons, I recorded a podcast episode sort of explaining what happened to health freedom for humanity. Robert Malone was a huge piece of that. He's suing the Braggans for 25 million over something that's complete nonsense. There's other situations where I've had people text me saying they've had really weird situations with him. So take that for what you will. Um, there is another guy that I absolutely do not trust based on my own personal interaction with him, Jason Shurka. Don't trust yeah, him whatsoever. Um, Oh, he's got creeped be, out vibes. Yeah. Just, I don't, I don't trust him. And that's the, again, there's a lot of personal things that happened. I used to be decent friends with him, and there's some weird business dealings and I've connected with a bunch of other people that have had similar issues with him. Um, Aside from that, I can't say, oh, I'll say one more that I'm personally skeptical of, and I'm open about this too. I, I'm very skeptical of Del Bigtree. Don't, yeah. don't really know what I think on his intentions, but a lot of the things that he does and a lot of the things that he avoids discussing are really interesting to me. Um, yeah. Aside from that, I'm unclear on who is like, you know, who, those are just people that I'm personally skeptical yeah. of on, on their in, intentions at the, at the least.
2: Not you think, think also fair too, Yeah, yeah. And we're just having a conversation whether or not yeah. it's true or not. We're having a dialogue around it. And do you think yeah. there's also people that aren't controlled opposition, but because of their beliefs or because of their actions, they kind of get taken advantage of? You well, know? well,
1: here's the thing. there, There's a difference between controlled opposition and a disinfo agent. Mm. Controlled opposition is someone, like I could be, you two could be, controlled opposition is someone who may or may not know what they're doing. Right? Every, every person that's a disinfo agent is controlled opposition, but not every person that's controlled opposition is a disinfo agent. Mm -hmm. A disinfo agent is someone who is fully aware of what they're doing. Controlled Mm. opposition, you may be doing what you think is best, but you're getting information from the wrong group of people or from the wrong source or whoever is You know, in your organization that's at the top is feeding you wrong info. And that's what controlled opposition is. Or that's at least the way that I've come to understand. So so it
2: it. it could be overt control or more covert. They don't really know what's going on. Uh, Exactly.
1: Yeah, but dude, here's the position I've come to on all this stuff. And I, I say that with acknowledging some people I'm skeptical of. And then also the flip side of the spectrum. I have been there where I'm like dude, I don't know if I want to speak at the event with that person because I've heard some things about him. Dude, I don't know if I want to have this person on my podcast because other people might think this about me. Dude, I don't know. I've been there. I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care. I don't even care about whether those people I just named, like what their intentions are, anything like that, because I've come to the position that I'm going to do me. Like, I've even had someone say, so I'm speaking at the the Greater Reset, not the Great Reset, the Greater Reset this upcoming week. And I'm speaking alongside Del Bigtree and not alongside him, but I'm speaking and then he's speaking after me and I'm openly skeptical of Del Bigtree. Right. And I've had several people message me saying, I can't believe you're speaking at that event, bro. The fact that you're speaking on the same stage that Del Bigtree is going to speak on just shows where your alignment is. It's like ridiculous. Bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Just nuts yeah, to me, Jesus. man. Yeah. Yeah. And And then like, I've had people, and I'm sure you've seen this before, where like I've spoken at a conference at the same time of some of these people, some that I've just named, and then they point to that as evidence that I'm controlled opposition. Little did they know I'm the only one at that event who spoke on the exact thing that I think Dell Bigtree avoids, which is the conversation on virology. Yeah. And had I not spoken there, those people that came because they saw Dell was speaking and were attracted because they're part of his audience, would have never been exposed to a deep presentation on the fraud of virology. Yeah, and, absolutely, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Let me let me let me ask you this question though. So hypothetically, let's use Dr. Robert Malone as an example. Do you think that um, his actions and the way that he spoke out during the period had any benefit to, yes, to, 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 a, to a wider audience awakening on some level? Yeah.
1: Yes, of course. And and this is the problem though. The overall problem is, is the tendency of people to outsource critical thinking to anyone period, right? Yep. Especially on a topic like this. Like when it comes to my car, I'm probably going to outsource my, you know, critical thinking on knowledge of cars to a mechanic in a body shop because I've personally never had a situation where that steered me wrong and to some degree i could see why people who still believe in vaccines and things like that think the way that they do because in their mind it's never steered them wrong but when it comes to something like this where there are people who have been harmed like my family members like you know i don't know what woke you guys up but a lot of the same types of situations where you either i was I was, something- I was
0: born awake bro i've never had an awakening period. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: My my three previous lives, I was awake, so I've yeah. been awake for three longer incarnations. You're Jonas. you're sitting were here you, with two. Were you with two ascended with, masters? Both of them. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just about
1: to say, were you were you born with all the abilities that we get when we ascend to five D? Yeah, yeah totally. some, I'm I'm some.
2: seventy, bro. I'm seventy. Just so you know,
1: <laughs> seventy. What do you what, what do I look like?
2: Um, I can't talk about it. I'll have to kill you.
1: <laughs> how many <laughs> how many of my guides are behind me? Uh, there's thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> it's after, I actually do think we have guides. This is a conversation. Yeah, yeah, man. I this
2: but, again there's things that we don't know. Yes. And I, I get yeah. it. And I've had experiences with different people or practitioners that blow my mind that I can't rationally explain 100%. So, you know, again, your personal experience to some degree like
1: 100%. You know, not, anyway, can fin- we finish that train of yeah. thought? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love this episode. This is great. Um so uh a lot of uh, th- this is what I realized, relating it back to to Robert Malone specifically, especially with what happened with Health Freedom for Humanity because of the article that he wrote about us that you know our, our recurring donations like tanked. are which, I mean, of course, any organization literally needs money to run, and we're about to hire like three new positions, and overnight we cannot hire those positions, and we cannot after projecting it out pay our own employees and we only had 3 employees and um and and then our our podcast listens went from 140k a month to 60k a month literally overnight and of course I was devastated by that but what I was most devastated by and this relates to your question is that is the tendency of so-called free thinkers truth seekers um to blindly outsource their critical thought, their ability to discern and seek truth to so-called leaders in the freedom movement. They've taken the same consciousness that they had before of blindly believing what the government says, of blindly believing, you know, what the medical establishment says, and they may have woken up for some reason. Um, and then now they've taken that same consciousness and they do the same thing to leaders on this side. I have people that do it to me. People probably do it to you. And it's like, you guys are missing the freaking point. That's not yeah. the point of this. We're not telling you that I want you to blindly trust what I say or what your awesome or Joel says. We want you to learn to seek truth for yourself. That's yeah,
2: it. I agree. I learned it the hard way. I was uh, basing every life decision in 2020 and 2021 off of your tweets. But then I realized, like, hey, okay, I got to take ownership of my life. <laughs> no, but again, I hear exactly what you're saying. You make, you make a great point. And, uh, you know, and the so, thing so, so, so is, I get the trust the experts line to yeah. some degree, you know, but again, my car isn't attached to me. Like my body is my body, you know? Yes. So there's something yeah, different. There's something, that's the different. Point. There's something yeah. different around that. Yeah. You know, for me, I don't know, that's how it lands. Where I'm just like, okay, I need to look into this stuff. What am I putting in my body? What am I putting in? What are yeah, what are I, other people I, around me? You know, what are you going to say?
0: What if what if you were a transformer?
2: Uh, if I was a transformer. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's a tough one. Would you go to a mechanic? Or would you do All your right. own maintenance? I don't
2: know. I don't know. That's that's tough. Let me let me. um, When I get to eight, when I get to eight D and I'm a transformer, then I'll uh, I'll let you know how that goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But so 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 final thought on that. That like, yes, I think Robert Malone hasn't had an incredible impact at waking a large group of people up to some surface level elements. Mm -hmm. The problem is. If they are outsourcing to what he says, they stop at, ah, Your right. COVID shots are sometimes bad. The other vaccines are all great because Robert Malone says so. Viruses, they're about to create a new bioweapon here soon that is, is gonna escape from a lab that is gonna kill so many people, according to what Robert Malone says. And ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine are God's greatest gift to humanity, according to what Robert Malone says. Yeah. We should probably just vote for new people according. You know what I mean? It's like if they if if they're using that mentality, they stop there.
0: Yeah. This is why it's really interesting. It's it's casting a net, which those people can actually go no further than because then they they never got there by using their own critical thought in the first place. Exactly.
2: Yeah. 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 And I want to comment on this because it came up in your talk that you did for the doctors for COVID ethics which was amazing. I loved it. The Q&A afterwards was very, you know, um, you know, in- entertaining and insightful and also just like interesting just to see, you know, how how information that is, that goes against the status quo or a person's status quo for being a doctor for 40 years can trigger a lot. But yeah. what I want to bring up is during that presentation, there were people that were like, well, why are you, why are you taking the argument here? Because so many people aren't going to make the jump from from where, you know, the last hundred years are to this, they need, they need, You should just focus on like the, the next step, you know, which is yeah. what people like maybe Robert Malone or other people are doing. And I, for me, and I want to hear your take on this, I go, cool. Those other people want to do that. They could do that, but I'm not fucking doing that.
0: Yeah. You know, exactly. I came
2: across certain truth and knowledge that's important. And if I could, if I could get people to understand that symptoms are not to be feared, you know that there may not be anything floating around in the sky that's going to cause you to kill grandma, you know, then then that's that's important. So can yep. you comment on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I th- I think I gave an answer to the effect of it, the way they framed the question just like you said was that um why are you choosing to focus on this instead of just focusing on like stopping the vaccines, right? Yep. And my answer was because if I did that, and let's say, let's just assume everyone else did that too, like Cowan and Calvin were all like, you know what, people just aren't ready for this virus thing. Let's just focus on stopping the vaccines, and then we'll get to that later. When is when is get to that later? When does that happen? Like there are so many people who are awake to the no vac- or to the the need to or the need to no longer vaccinate. Right? If there weren't people like me and Cowan and Kaufman and some other people that you guys have had on your show and you guys yourselves discussing these things, then those people would be stagnated too. We have to have these people that are talking about the deeper elements. I think I used the political example during that episode. I was like, you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about the leftist cult. And I think absolutely that there is a leftist cult. I also personally think that there's a right-leaning cult though. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Definitely. if... But I do think to a large degree right now, 20 years ago, I would have said differently, but right now the left is cold much more harmful to, to what's happening right now. But if I was one of those people that's like, dude, people just aren't ready to hear about the illusion of authority. People aren't ready to hear about X, Y, and Z things and just decided to, to make concessions in my own message and not be authentic to support what I believe the collective needs that's playing into that freaking paradigm too. I don't want, I don't, I'm not interested in trying to sway the so-called collective. I'm wanting to impact individuals that are ready to take the next step into deeper authenticity and for these deeper concepts. And that's what I'm focused on.
0: I love it, man. And at the same time, like we're all here to play different roles. There's people who might be playing yeah. in that ballpark. The next step, like that's not we, what need, we're doing. we need all of it,
1: bro. That's we right, need all of it. Yeah, yeah, like, well, like, thank God for Robert Malone, despite my skepticism of him. Thank God, because I do think he had a positive impact of swaying the the general surface-level message a certain bit towards yeah. the side that says, hey, we should be really skeptical of these things, which I'm well, appreciative it was, of.
0: It was also useful for people like us to be like, look, the creator of the mRNA vaccine is <laughs> yeah, saying this, yeah. right? Like, exactly. we lens on that a lot.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and
2: again, there are people you know, on along the entire, I guess, continuum where it's like, Hey, I could share this interview with Dr. Robert Malone to someone in my family who isn't going to even give the time of day. I'm just going to say to a dude with a backwards cap (laughs) talking at the fucking Kansas city government. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's like, there's different material. And this is where discernment comes in. We go, okay, um, I'm not going to send Alex, um, presentation to doctors for COVID ethics to that person. Maybe in like a year or two, I will. But right now I'm going to send this to that person. And yes. so again, yeah. there's there's different ways we can utilize information to support us to maybe trying to plant a seed to get someone to look at things in a different way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and yeah. Go ahead, Joel. Sorry. Go ahead. Now I
2: was going to say, and I,
1: I guarantee
0: there's people like who congregate in the dark web watching podcasts like ours going, these guys are motherfucking shields you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude, there absolutely is. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me, but yeah. Yeah. I used to get so affected by that because like, you know, like a, a big wound of mine growing up was was feeling rejected by my own family. Mm-hmm. So, like, fr- from the beginning of this stuff, for the most part, I was not really impacted even by formerly close friends saying, dude, you're fucking crazy. I was like, you know what? Like, it was, it, it was, I was stepping into such a powerful feeling of authenticity that it didn't really affect me. Like it was sometimes it'd make me sad. I wasn't invited to one of my ushers in my wedding. Like one of, I was invited to his wedding, whatever. But like, for the most part, I was totally cool. And when people call me a conspiracy theorist or any of those names, like I don't get upset, right? I, I There was a time though, where I would get pretty upset, like really upset when people from inside the community that I was trying to help would, would make posts about me. Right. And I remember there's this one and it's like so funny looking back on it. Cause now I would just laugh and I do laugh when, when this type of stuff happens. Um, someone like ran my, my just, I think just my middle and last name through like a Gematria calculator and it mm. came out as six, six or something like that. They're like, dude, he's, I'm telling you, he's a, he's a Mason. He's a Freemason. I was just like, at the time I was like, dude, no, I'm not like, I I'm genuinely like my family really did experience this shit. Like I almost took it as, as them trying to say that what my family went through, what my mom went through with the psych industry and what my wife went through with autoimmune conditions wasn't real. It's and, like, fabricated for you to be in the position yeah.
0: that you're in. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I, and, and that really pissed me off. And now I look at it like, man, pray for those people like my goodness the, the lens through which they're seeing the world like yeah, being paranoid of literally everything around them is is not serving them no what is what's
2: the biggest thing that's changed about you from 2020 to now damn dude that's a good
1: question is my home, my beard, yeah. um, my hairline's probably receded a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, let me think about this for a second. Cause I want to, I really want to answer it in a, in a way that's like really coming from within me. I would say that my emotional maturity has gotten much more, has become much more stable. Like, I think in 2020, a lot of things would impact me and, and, and in some cases, just because I was also dealing with a lot of family stuff, take me out for sometimes one to two to three days where I would like not want to do anything and just have like a self-loathing, almost woe is me feeling and like the world's all fucked. And it was it was really between 2021 and 2022 like 2022 was the hardest year for me by far, but it was, it was a a phase of having to individuate more because I still had my identity attached to my mom. Like Mm -hmm. I used to open up every podcast episode discussing what happened to my mom instead of discussing what I went through when I was younger and like what I experienced and all those things. And my identity was wrapped up in my mom. And now my mom and I aren't speaking right now. And I used to even say that and feel some like emotional, like, Ugh. but right now I don't feel that at all. I literally don't. I, I I'm like, okay with it because it is, that is the reality of the situation. I've come to accept that. Yeah, And I think it's becoming more emotionally mature and, and, and becoming more individuated and, and knowing that I am worthy, like that my story is worth sharing that what Alex Zek wants is worth sharing. That I can do these things and create and generate things and help other people by my own accord without having to rely on any of these other people. And I think that's kind of like that situation with my mom, alongside what happened with Health Free Mandy, where it was this group that, and that's what I authentically wanted. And, you know, that's that's a the long story in and of itself. But it's the same underlying principle amongst both where i was like <clears throat> identifying with a group because I, I didn't feel powerful to do it enough myself i didn't feel powerful enough by myself to make an impact and now i can say fully for the first time really in the last few months i do like yeah. i absolutely do i know that i can make an impact and i know that i am a badass and i've been through a lot of shit, but i've transmuted that shit, and i'm doing it so i can benefit those who are have a, an ear to hear what i have to say
0: yeah man thanks thanks for keeping it real bro so like in hindsight now would you say that like there's a gift to robert malone's article
1: yeah fuck yeah i would absolutely you know this is such an interesting thing because um it really pissed me off at the time behind the scenes so the so the the guy from our organization um and, and there's no beef here whatsoever the guy from our organization that wrote the newsletter that triggered Robert Malone's response. Um, He behind the scenes when, when all this was happening, when Robert Malone wrote, wrote his response, we were like, dude, what the, like, why the fuck did you do that? Like we need to respond. Like we were all freaking out. I did not handle it well at all, dude, not at all. Yeah. But it pissed me off because he said, God called me to write that article. I have the gift of spiritual insight. You just don't see this clearly. And now I still don't think that at all. I think that's nonsense. But but there's a small piece of this. It's like, man, did God, universe, nature, creator, whatever, did that call him to write this article? Like Looking back now, I am very happy that Health Freedom for Humanity is dissolved. I am. I'm happy that I'm no longer attached to that because Even though I was the director of that organization, even though I'm the one who started the organization, I felt pressure to be a certain way to say certain things to only focus on specific things when it's like, damn, I want to talk about the illusion of authority. I want to talk about these other things like I want to talk about terrain quite a bit, but. And we are, but, but but we have other people in the organization who don't want to. So I feel pressured to not talk about that as much. I want to talk about consciousness and wrestle with these concepts, religion versus spirituality, new age versus the ancient way of being a bridge between the two. I want to talk about all these things, but I can't because I'm a part of this organization. I'm leading this organization. I have to do this. Now, I don't have to do that anymore. So yes, I do think it was almost a blessing in disguise. And maybe God really did call him to write that. I don't know.
0: Bro, balance
2: balance comes about in mysterious ways, man. It does. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. I love again, this is where it comes back to the individual and how they look back and they they frame something because another person could have not taken that information or that event and turned it into gold. You know, and so they'd be sitting here in a parallel universe complaining on why that happened. Whereas you're able to go, whoa, this is life. We're human. Shit's gonna happen. What do we do with it? Yep. You know, we've had we've had situations that happened with us on the podcast, or some disagreements, and this or that or the other that caused us to, you know, kind of stand in our truth and speak out. Um, and and that from that moment on, it kind of allowed us to kind of take more ownership, and I felt like we got stronger and we felt more empowered, and like things took yeah. off from there.
0: It's it's freeing and liberating, you know. But I don't know, man. Like. To me, reality molds around us based on the inner things which we're avoiding, even though we know, we know we we might not be completely conscious that we're avoiding them. Circumstances play out in our lives to force the issue. That's, 100%. that's, that's a fact in my experience.
2: What I also think is a, is a fact in my experience, and when you just look at relationships, people come into your life to highlight things about yourself that you're not paying attention to. That You're repressing. I mean, even in relationships, just talk about relationships, the whole idea of opposites attract like there's it's almost like these two magnets that come together because the other person very often is holding disowned qualities within within them that you're that you're disowning. And so in the beginning, it's like, oh, wow, you're dreamy eyed. And then for most people after the honeymoon phase, like that shit's annoying. What the fuck? Yeah. But you're really—if you can just kind of integrate a homeopathic dose of the other person and some of those qualities mm-hmm. within yourself, you're going to be more integrated. You're going to be more whole, and this is what shadow work is, and this is why relationship can be such a benefit to um your your personal growth because you're able to to see yourself through these projections, and I just think it's really beneficial.
1: I gotta I gotta pat myself on the back again for this one, dude. My wife and I met and started dating when we were sixteen. Hmm. I was so emotionally unavailable. She was so de- codependent. I was, you know, I, I don't even want to say not a good dude anymore. I was I was doing what a 16-year-old does yeah. that is emotionally unavailable. And I caused a lot of harm to her. And then she was very needy and codependent. And we played that out for a long time. And now we've healed that together. And it's so cool when two people can own their shit but also give each other space to feel their feelings associated with that piece of them that they're missing, that they were attracting more of that in the other person and it happened to both of us when, when two people can heal that together, wow, it is powerful. And that is what my wife and I have done. We're still continuing to do. I mean, we're still continuing to deal with some piece of that everyone does in a relationship, but it's like, it's pretty rare that that happens that two people are attracted on what I would say are are misaligned or, or, uh, feelings of lack that that are then brought about by attracting that other person, and then they can heal together, and that's that's what my wife and I have done.
2: Dude, relationship is such can be such a teacher, can be such a healer, can be such a guide if we utilize it as that. Like I'm not saying like I've had times in my life where I was not in a relationship, and you know I went off and I backpacked and I traveled and I read books and I learned a lot. But when you're when you're living with someone, when you're in a committed relationship with someone you you have to face some shit. You get to mm-hmm. get real when there's conflict, when sh- there are triggers that happen as opposed to like, Oh, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm doing my thing. I'm backpacking around the world. I'm reading a book. Life's great. You know, yep. it's just, there's different things that come up.
1: Yep.
0: Hmm. Absolutely no pressure to answer this one, man, but I'm just curious. Um, Why, why aren't you and your mom talking?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, happy to answer this. So my, so in, in 2021 until between 2017 and April of 2021, I did not speak to my dad. Not at all. Like not even a little bit. Um, a lot of familial trauma happened. My, my dad was having an affair with with someone, and uh, this had happened before in my life when I was growing up, prior to my dad going to rehab when I was younger, and you know that experience, I essentially set a boundary, and I was like, "Dad, I'm not going to speak with you until you, at the least, acknowledge all the things that you did when I was younger and make amends for them, and exhibit that you have changed behavior." Because at this point, he had not even acknowledged some of the things that he had done when I was younger, which there's some pretty traumatic shit there. And fast forward April of 2021. And it's just so crazy again, how the the universe or God orients itself for you when you just like let things happen. Um, I'd already ignored a few of my dad's phone calls up to this point. Cause he had tried calling me and I just like, nope, 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 not talking to you. Um, and then, I get a phone call from my dad Decide to pick it up and he's bawling his eyes out and he apologizes for everything that he had done, not only in the past few years, but when I was younger, and of course that brought on a flood of emotions in me and I started bawling my eyes out and I accepted his apology. And from there, we like began to reestablish a relationship. What was cool about this is I was always very fearful of my dad when I was younger, very fearful of his authority over me. Um, And this sort of healed that element right when this article by The Guardian came out outing me that I was the director of health freedom for humanity while being a captain, an active duty captain in the U.S. Army. And literally the day after I got this phone call from my dad, I get a text message from my brigade commander, which is essentially like my boss's boss saying dude WTF why am I getting a call from the Army public Affairs office that you're running an anti-vaccine conspiracy theory organization and I had already been like super afraid you know because I was in the process of getting out of the army to begin with and I was just like only a few more months only a few more months and at this point now only a few more weeks <clears throat> and I was so afraid of authority again in my life mm. and then healing an element of that when my dad texted me was like I was able to handle this situation with the army much better than I would have if that hadn't happened. So it was just crazy how that happened. Then I got out of the army and everything was fine. Um, anyway, so my, my dad and I began reestablishing a relationship at that point. At the same time, my mom and my dad began reestablishing a friendship, just a friendship. They're fully divorced at this point. And like, you know, she was like, I don't, I don't want a relationship with them. I just want to be friends with them. And, After I got out of the army, we moved in with my mom temporarily. So over time, there was some dynamics between my mom and I that rose to the surface that forced me to look at some things that happened in my childhood in a different way. Cause I had always sort of thought my dad was this evil, narcissistic, worthless POS, and that my mom was the saint. And I sort of saw some things from a different lens and so did my wife. And that's not saying my mom is bad. I want to be clear here. It's just, I look back on my childhood and I was like, whoa, there's some dynamics between my mom and my dad that were unhealthy that my mom was also feeding. And I saw them in a different way. And there, there, again, there's some specific instances that I, I re I, I looked at them from a different way and I was like, Oh my goodness. Right. And, that's not to... On the flip side, that that's not to um, minimize or negate any of the things that my dad did because he also did some very messed up stuff. But as that's happening, and as I start establishing a relationship with my dad again, my mom is as well. She even spoke on stage at the Health Freedom for Humanity Symposium with my dad in the audience, pointed to my dad and said, hey, we're showing the world that divorce can be done a different way. He's not my husband, but he is my life partner. We're friends, blah, 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 saying all these things. We're establishing you know, a, a family relationship. We even had family pictures taken, and my dad was in the pictures with all of us, right? And then a week after that, also context, my mom is in the middle of healing from her breast explant surgery. So it's triggering a lot of stuff in her because, you know, as you know, she had struggled with a lot of psych issues and the whole psych industry and coming off of benzos and benzodiazepines and ssris so this triggered some stuff in her as well but i think because of that she just decided out of nowhere to cut my dad off again and we were living with my mom and i'm like this is the first time in my life i have a good relationship with my dad he's showing up he's changing his behavior he's made amends i'm not going to cut him off like no way i'm not cutting my dad off And I think that with the dynamics between my mom and I sort of coming out, having to relook at some of the things from my childhood, her feeling betrayed by me because I had a relationship with my dad. Um, sort of created this situation where my wife and I uh, at the drop of the hat decided, Hey, okay, we're no longer living here anymore. We were gonna, we, we were originally gonna like, build a house on her property and we decided we're not doing that anymore. We moved out, we got in a, a townhouse temporarily, and now we live in Texas. Um, and it, it, you know, it just got to a point where it was just not healthy and we needed to give each other space. And, and she was actually the one who said that, She needs to distance herself from us. There's a lot more to this, but essentially, we're just giving each other space for for now. Yeah.
0: No, I appreciate you sharing, man. Again, what comes to mind is just it's so wild how there's no way that you could bypass the individuation process. You know, you're going to build a house on your mom's property, but again, circumstances occurred where it forced you to be on your own and to feel that.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, And and to be honest, too, like. I sort of, you know, cause she was offering to, to build the house and have us pay, have us pay her back and things like that. And it never came to fruition. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I was sort of looking like, you know what? Well, my parents never had to pay for me to go to college. Cause I went to West Point on my own. They've never paid for crap for me. This is a way for them to sort of repay me for all the stuff that I went through when I was younger. So I'm just going to go ahead and take it. Manage, nope. no. Yeah. And, and I'm so happy that didn't happen because it's, it's, forced me to to individuate so much more and that's why I kind of brought that up And I'm glad you picked that up because I'm like this was a a, the universe orienting itself so that I had to individuate even more
0: yeah I I hear you bro I I resonate deeply man in in 2020 I was working with with, with a family business Um, I've always worked within my family's business my dad's always had um, businesses and my brother and I have both worked under them and there was a point in 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 2020 where I was like, I need a pay rise. You know, I need to start earning more money. And my brother, you know, he's like, fucking no way, Joel's getting a pay rise. Like he launched a thing against. And I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, I needed to move on, into start thinking about buying a house, feeding my family more, etc., etc., etc. At the time, I hated, I hated him. I couldn't understand why he was blocking me to such a degree. You no, know? but. Me moving on, me discovering my own work, my own fields, my own relationships, me building what we've built is all the result of that decision because it, it caused a huge rift and a massive conflict to take place Well, I had to walk away. I had to be like, nah, fuck you all. You know, I'll go figure this out on my own. So again, man, it's, just, it's nuts how when you're walking an authentic path, um, when you're not subduing the pain, when you're not bypassing, things occur that actually force you to get real and force you oh, onto man. that path of your highest potential, man. It's just, it's just about the way we choose to see it.
1: Yep. Yeah, and uh, there is even a period of time where I was like, you know, if you had interviewed me, let's say eight months ago, I would have shared a very surface level version of that because I still had this idea that, you know, this, this story with me and my mom, like uh, so many people have reached out and it's like, oh, it's so amazing. Your family's healing story together. And yeah. I didn't want to impact that or people's perceptions of me. And Talk then the I projections, didn't want to, like, yeah, it, exactly. And, and I, I've just come to the position now. No, this is, this is the truth, man. This is what happened. This is what's gone on. And yeah, I'm here to share
2: sure. it. And the thing is, it, it cuts the projection field because so many people will project onto you. Oh my God, that's like you said, it's so amazing. Your family's perfect. And you're like, fuck it, we're, we're dealing with shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. like people can sit here and go, oh, wow, Jolie Rossmo's, they got a podcast, they're doing the thing and they've got their coaching program and it's, it's great. We're doing cool shit and we're fucking, we're human. You know, I'm in a relationship. My relationship isn't roses and butterflies 24 seven, you know, I got things in my family. And so like, I think it's important to be here for the truth, you know, yes. for real, and be real so then people go oh wow he's human too i don't have I to sit there and go well they're doing all this shit and i'm not doing anything and and uh, i'm this horrible person and you're like fuck we're all just trying to we're just trying to figure it out dude you and know and, and it makes you more real
0: yeah and, for, and you, you don't have to build other, a facade you don't have to build no, a facade around trying to no. protect this thing that you don't want so, to come to the surface and that's so that, that's people, the whole point of here for the truth that's yes. literally why this I, exists. that's
1: why i fucking love you guys um this, this is the most like down to earth. And I see you guys create that environment so well that I know I can be fully down to earth with you guys. Like I can just, just, just riff on whatever. And you kind of said that before you started, I was like, what are we going to talk about? And you're like, I don't know. We're just going to riff. I'm like, hell yeah, that's good. And this has yeah. kind of gone everywhere, but it's, it's real. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, uh, like six ish months ago, I shared a post that essentially was like, Hey, I'm not doing great right now. I have a lot of stuff going on. Like it's been hard for me the last year. I was so resistant to sharing that because of, because of that perception that I had wanted to, to, to keep up with, you know, and, and doing that was so freeing for me, but what was so cool about it even more than how it was freeing for me is the response from other people. Because it invited them to step in and be like, dude, yeah, this year has been really fucking tough for me. Or no, I dealt with that in 2020 or 2018 or whatever. Like, it, 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 people for various reasons tend to put people like us on a pedestal. And what we're doing in that situation is actually creating, putting us, showing that we're human, but also showing that we are approachable. And showing and inviting other people to, to just become more authentic themselves too. So it's actually more healing to stop putting on this facade. So for any other so-called influencers or people who have a platform that listen to this, it's like, just be fucking real, man. People appreciate that more. Be real. Even if it's hard, even if you fucked up and did something, you know, that you're not proud of, be real and people will appreciate you even more just by being real.
0: Bro, authenticity is like the ultimate marketing strategy, man. You know, we've never paid for an ad in our life for anything. Same. Like, just be fucking real, and <laughs> yeah. your, your people will see you. Your pe the people will find you. You know, that's yeah. that's what they appreciate. And you know, what, what what you mentioned about when you had to make that post is like the scarcity program forces us to believe that our value is in how others perceive us. So we try to protect that at all costs, right? Yep. But once you're willing to continually cut down those projections, the true inner riches, man, the true value that exists can come forth in a way like never before without having to maintain any kind of illusions to, to have that worth.
1: You know, you know uh, something that I'm struggling with lately is like, after coming off having done what I would perceive as something big with Health Room Free humanity. like we had chapters, we were impacting people all over the world. It was dope. It, it was dope. It was great. And I, I've been like wrestling with, cause I've had people approach me like, are you going to do something similar for the way forward? And I'm like, maybe, but I don't know what it looks like. And I'm, I'm wrestling with how that looks and maybe we end up doing something, but is the thing that I'm wrestling with is, is this idea that in order to have a positive impact on people, you got to do it the biggest, you got to reach everyone. You got to reach all these people. And it's like, No,
2: (laughs) no, No. dude, and and honestly, you saying that is the is the mistake that our food industry got into. Where it's just like we have to feed everybody, and it's like no, we don't. You know, like you choose what you want, your community, and then that ultimately ripples out to some. How the how Uh, the hell can anyone cater to everybody?
1: No,
0: right? Like this is this is this is this is the problem with socialism one hundred and one. Is that we think that's possible. Yeah. We think that there's we can somehow be fit into cookie cutter molds where where we one thing can service everybody
2: without bypassing the fact that everyone's an individual. Yeah. Everyone is unique beyond anything else. And and who's gonna decide that? Alec, are you gonna make the decision on how everyone gets served? You know, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, the person exactly. that's usually in charge of an organization of a country, they get to determine what's right for the
1: quote unquote greater good. Exactly, and that's the ironic thing. Is like Joe Yee said this to me before on an Instagram live with him. He was like, "Dude, if there's anyone that I would want to be president of this new paradigm that we're creating, it's you." And I'm like, "No, I don't want that. I don't. I don't want to fucking be in charge of literally anyone else. Like, I don't want to have authority over anyone." So it's like exactly as you're saying, Joel, trying to fit people into this cookie cutter mold that you can just replicate everywhere. That's not possible. Yeah, like it's it's just not possible, and it's not. A it's not a cause that I believe is worth investing time and energy into. Again, I am now realizing I'm trying to impact individuals yep. that resonate with what I'm saying. That's it. Yeah. I mean,
2: I'll be president, you could be my VP, Joel, you could be secretary of <laughs> state.
1: <laughs> oh, then we can funnel money through Ukraine and
2: Yeah, amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> you know, um, dude, what a great conversation!
1: Yeah, this is awesome. I love it. I
2: mean, I know we could probably keep going on and on oh, and on. Yeah, uh,
1: there's,
2: got there's
0: something else I want to ask, but I don't, know, I don't know how much time you have, or if it's going to be too far. Dude, I'm, good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll ask the question. I've noticed watching your growth the last two or three years that your perception of religion has changed. Yeah, I f- found earlier on, you were much more in the Jesus Saves camp only kind of thing, but I could be wrong. And it's kind of evolved since then to the point where now you're kind of getting to question that the dogmatic aspects of that as well. Can you speak on that at all?
1: Yeah, you have it backwards, I think. Well, not backwards. It's it's I since speaking, I've never been like a a religious person. I I'll, I'll just share this. So I grew up in a household that was you know, that went to church for like Easter and Christmas until my dad went to rehab when I was 13. My dad got back from rehab. The rehab place he went to was called Clay Crossing in Oklahoma. It's this Christian rehab place. So then we became like very outsourced to Jesus, evangelical Christians who like everything we did was going to church, going to church and any problems that happened in our family, we would just give it to God, which means we would avoid discussing it at all costs. And then we would just like pray about it. Right. So that was my life until around age 21 or 22, my sophomore year at West Point around age 21, um, where I, I decided that, uh, like I didn't believe any of it. And it really happened because of a shroom trip (laughs) that I did. I took some shrooms and I was like, Whoa, all is one. So then I like started down this path of sort of throwing all of Christianity aside, like it's all bad, it's all wrong, to now diving into what I would call like some new age type shit. Right. And what I'm what I've come to now, and this has really been in the past year and a half, is that there, there is something about Christ in the way that he was, if it is a true story, and he may not have even existed. I don't know. I've seen a pretty compelling presentation. And I've, of course, I watched Zeitgeist, which is not a compelling presentation. But the point is like, he may not have existed. I don't know. But the story that we're told about that figure that was Christ, and maybe it's just something for me personally, the power of the name Christ, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm there's something about it that holds such a reverence, a, a, yeah, a, a reverence, but even more than that, like just a, a, a deep stillness inside of me when I really think and like meditate on okay. Christ. Yeah. Right. And the, it's, it's like I'm, I'm marrying two different ways of being it, it when I, My wife and I have started going to church again over the last two and a half to three months. And we always say this. I feel like when we listen to the sermon from the pastor, we understand what he's saying at such a deep level, deeper than he even realizes what he's saying, because he's saying it from the lens of the dogmatic Christianity, the Bible is everything approach. Whereas we're seeing it from the lens of, All of us, even those who are not Christians, are the body of Christ. All of us, and I know, Joel, there might be some pushback for you on this, all of (laughs) us are, are, are one. Like all of us, all of humanity, all of creation, all of nature is a part of the body of Christ. And when we can get back to the understanding as the way I see it, that we are all one and that all of us were created by this loving creator, whether that creator is separate of us or a part of us, I'm still wrestling with. And I tend to think that it's both in a, in a weird way, but when we get back to that understanding and we see other, not as other, but as fundamentally a part of us, then we behave in such a way that we have love for that person. We have love for those things that we previously perceived as other. And I'm like merging these two things together and I, I don't know where I stand and it's always evolving. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's something about Christ that is so powerful to me lately.
0: Nah, fair enough, man. Like from, from my perspective, you know, I think Christ is a, an archetype that exists within us. I think it's a beautiful masculine energy of purity that, you know, provides us with archetypal feelings and ideas that we can all call upon and step into um, mm-hmm. should we choose. And I, I don't negate that. I think that's a, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, that's that's I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. I think this is a longer discussion uh, yeah. for another day if I was to um get into it. But yeah, I don't know if you have any comments, Erasmus.
2: No, I don't. I mean, I appreciate what you shared. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this in other episodes. You know, I grew up religiously, uh, was an altar boy for years, and won religious speaking competitions when I was a kid. I mean, things have changed uh, uh, over a few decades, but. Um, I think what Joel said makes sense. Like the Christ archetype um, yeah. is powerful. You know, it's extremely powerful. Now, whether or not the story of Christ is real, there's different scholars that have different opinions. You know, we did an episode on 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 the biblical stories in Jesus from a complete alternative historical research perspective with Ralph Ellis that was definitely deep and would probably be extremely triggering to many. Um, but again, we're here for the truth. And what does that mean? We don't have the truth. But we're here for it and we're down to get into these dialogues and these conversations and to hold space for people to share things that maybe we don't either know about or maybe we don't fully agree with or maybe we do agree with. But it's just like, why can't we just have these dialogues and these conversations? And especially when it comes to, I mean, I don't know many things that are more triggering than, you know, religion and whether or not... You know, I mean, you've you've had this experience, Joel. Just when you make a post about Christianity, I mean, the, the people come out of the woodwork, and it's just like unfollowing. I'm on. Un, just so you I know, post I'm here to tell you, I'm unfollowing Joel. you, which is a whole other conversation to get into. The people, the 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 narcissism of people who have to announce themselves on their on your post that they're unfollowing you,
1: dude. I said a similar experience, Joel. Like four months ago, I said Christians think their way is the way, Muslims think their way is the way. Jews think their way is the way. And I would imagine if we do indeed have a creator that is separate of us and is all knowing and all understanding and all loving, that he would look down upon all of us with reverence for all of the different ways we connect with him. And can you guess which group of people out of all those three groups I named went off on me and unfollowed me in mass? The Christians. 100%. Of course.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: Bro. Yep. um. Uh... Like, out of all the things that I've said throughout, you know, my, my, my time speaking publicly publicly on social media, I've never received more, like, really deep, heinous attacks from any other group than I, than I have from, from Christians when, when their paradigm's questioned. Same. Like, just the, the level of cattiness that, that comes about, um, you know, to me, it's, it's a deep psychological confession as to mm-hmm. where they actually stand with their spirituality.
1: Yep. I have this one friend that I appreciate so much that is a hardcore Orthodox Christian that after seeing that post said, Hey man, I want to have some really, like, I want to have some conversations with you. And we've had multiple like hour and a half, two hour long discussions on this topic. And what he said is, is similar to something you're asking most. You may have said this to me. I don't remember who said it, but it's someone said this to me is like, if you're if you're really a Christian, then like, shouldn't you be trying to save me right now? Meaning that like, if you see me going the wrong way, you're like, hey, I wanna talk to you because I love you and I want, you know what I mean? And what I see a lot of Christians doing when I'm sp- saying things that aren't even directly calling the Bible wrong or anything like that, but just kind of alluding to like, hey, maybe the creator thinks all of these ways are awesome is is condemning me and then just casting me aside and then no longer speaking with me. I'm like, is that what Jesus did? Did yeah. Jesus do that? And that's why I really appreciate this friend who has really deep conversations with me and he makes some compelling points and he told me that I've made some compelling points and it's like, wow, the ability to set aside your preconceived notions and biases and just like have a discussion is rare these days.
2: And that right there is the way forward. Hmm. but it's true man I mean to be able to have dialogues with people that maybe don't again don't agree with you on everything and to hold space for it and to, to feel again we talk about being able to feel pain and discomfort and what that does to your evolution in a conversation when someone's saying something where that part of you wants to come in and be like you're fucking full of shit this is wrong you're evil you're going to hell whatever it is to sit to be able to hold space within yourself for that discomfort and still receive information. And then maybe in that moment you go, listen, this is a lot for me right now. And, you know, I'm going to have to take some time away and just kind of think about it. And then maybe we can continue this conversation. That's a level of maturity that most people in this world don't have. And yeah. I'm not yeah. sitting here saying that I have that all the time. I think there's times I do and there's other times where I am I kind of get dismissive or I just deflect something. Oh, that's bullshit, whatever. But, you know, this is this is how we move forward you know, and, and I've shared this before, but I had an experience with a friend of mine who we had completely different views in 2020. Um, and we kind of lost touch for a year, year and a half and we came back together and there was a reconciliation. And it's like, we're sitting there looking at each other, like tears in our eyes and not even really speaking, but just knowing like, Hey, you're, we're homies, even though we may not agree with every single thing on, on health or whatever. I understand you. I know your heart. I know your spirit. And then vice versa, and that's beautiful.
1: That's that's being human. I love that. I think the the way forward is to be here for truth. <laughs> there you oh, go. Oh, oh. I, you. I, think <laughs> we, I think we could add it right
2: there. Yeah. for like real, man. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you so much, dude, for coming on. I know we had a, we had a conversation. I know a year year and a half ago, whatever it was, and I'm happy that we had a chance to meet in person finally dude and connect and i just appreciate you man for being real for being honest and for being a leader and for wearing that crown dude i appreciate it
1: amen dude yeah, yeah. i see you got yours behind you i need to get one of those too. where do you get that
2: <laughs> uh so if you got it for me for christmas one year somewhere
1: one you know just yeah. but i appreciate awesome. you brother I love you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, bro.
0: I I love you too, man. And honestly, it's such a joy and a pleasure to watch your your journey and your evolution. Um, And I love the new perspectives and the way that you're so malleable and able to flow and flex and you're not rigid. Um, I just like that you're open to all of it, man. And I really appreciate you for for who you are as this being sitting across from me via a computer. Um, So thank you, man. In person
1: soon. Maybe April.
0: Let's do it, bro. 100%. What do you, what do you want to leave our audience with Ali in terms of what you've going on?
1: Um well obviously I I'm, I'm like building this platform the way forward and soon we're going to be launching a uh, holistic and freedom oriented business directory publicly here soon mm-hmm. and it's different than the ones that are already, already available like Public Square you can find out more about it just by following along with us at thewayforward.com. And the forward is spelled F-W-R-D. So thewayforward.com. And and the last thing that I'll say is I recorded one of my favorite episodes that I recorded in a long time with this guy named Vinny Todd Tolman, who was had what's called an after-death experience, not even a near-death death experience. He was zipped up in a body bag, no pulse, no breath, body already going into rigor mortis. and um. What he shared about that his journey to the afterlife was that he learned these 10 principles and the most important principle that he learned from what he calls his guide is being authentic. That is the most important thing we can do in this life is be authentic. And when he said that it's like, damn, I'm on the right path. I think you guys are on the right path. And for those that are listening and watching this, as long as you are choosing authenticity over conformity, you're probably on the right path.
0: Yeah, man. 100%, bro. That's, Amen. That's an, Amen. Hey, woman. That's an excellent signpost. Just name. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening.
2: What a freaking awesome episode. Man, what an incredible conversation that was. Dude, it was awesome, man. Uh, what a great chat with Alec. And uh, just, yeah, much respect for that dude. Yeah, man, keeping it real, it's what is what it's about. As we mentioned
0: on the podcast, being here for the truth is key. And that's why we started what we started and why we continue to do what we do. And on that, on that note, just before we sign off for good, just want to remind our listeners that we have a private membership community just for truth seekers, just for the just for those who want to get deeper, who want to immerse themselves in a community who's on the path, um, explore new knowledge from us on live calls as well as. Um, from our podcast guests who come on and host guest expert workshops. Alec, who you just heard, is actually be joining us um, in March and our members will get the chance to interact with him directly and ask him questions. So if you're keen, you can learn more at friendsofthetruth.co. Thanks again so much for your support. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, take care and we'll see you next time. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a time they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms Cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean Fast
1: forward in evolution To a place where we can share our confusions Yeah, 450 BC I'm sharing to you with